This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 543 This episode was pre-recorded. Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Let's all take our seats. It's Crisis 303, Future Armageddon. This is how I got my wife to read comics. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts and blogs, and you can subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn, or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Previously on How I Got My Wife to Read Comics, Crisis 303. 1991's Armageddon 2001 crossover event had begun. The mysterious Wave Rider came from the future to discover which hero would become the Tyrant Monarch. Superman, Batman, the Justice League, Hawk and Dove, and the Hawks have been eliminated as suspects. Who's next? And now, the conclusion. Flash Annual Number 4 by Wade and Brosfeld. It's Flash Day in Keystone City. I think Flash had more days in his honor than Superman, and Wally's supporting cast at the time is on hand, grumbling about the whole thing. A young black man, a.k.a. Wave Rider, touches Wally, and... We're now in Flagstaff, Arizona, 2001. A normal suburban dad comes home for dinner with his wife and then roughhouses with his kid. The dad is known as Michael, but it's actually Wally. There's a whole sequence about how superheroes are conferring their powers to their kids. The son goes out to ride his bike and is hit by a truck. Michael runs him to the hospital. We learn that the son has super speed, but not an aura protecting him from the effects, and that the wife was placed in witness protection when she saw some things about her mobster boss. She and Wally fell in love, then Wally's mother was killed the day of their wedding, so now they're in witness protection. The mobster, still in jail, is hiring rogues to take revenge. Michael and his wife are standing by the hospital when he gets a call from the mobster who calls Wally out. He then kidnaps the boy via the rogues, forcing Wally to put on the costume again. He tracks down the rogues one by one who are under the mobster's metal control, so they give him clues along the way. Each of the rogues is zapping Wally during the battle, slowly stealing his speed. New villain Paradox has the ability to slow down time itself and uses it against Wally. Meanwhile, all that stolen speed is going into the mobster's son, who is finally destroyed by it. That power is then dropped into Wally's son, making Wally powerless, but creating a new Flash. Cut back to current times, where a woman tries to ask Wally for help, but is talked down by another man. It was his possible future wife. If it's all that important, I'm sure I'll hear from her again. Mm. Legion, 91, annual number 2 by Grant and McCone. We begin with Lobo, one of DC's most popular anti-heroes at the time, and a member of the modern-day Legion team. Wave Rider determines that Lobo's future is the same as his present. Lots of fighting and swearing. He then moves on to Vril Dox, the ancestor of Brainiac 5, who proceeds to entrap Wave Rider and ask questions. Wave Rider provides backstory, and Vril agrees to see his future. 
Legion is now a tyrannical force, and a group stops a small protest group with violence. We get an update about the various members, which is not worth going into here. Vril and Lady Quark rule with an iron fist while doing terrible experiments. Wave Rider is still prisoner, waiting for the final day when his secrets will be revealed. Of course, the old members get together to stop Vril and Quark, and some are killed in the attempt. Turns out the computer tyrants of Kalu, don't ask, have taken over Vril and make him merge himself and Quark into a freaky being. In the end, we see Vril, Quark, also absorb Wave Driver, and we're back in 1991. Vril, always the egoist, says now that he knows how that could go, he can prep for it to avoid disaster, but decides to stop his time experiments instead. Action Comics Annual Number 3 by Stern and Grummet. Soups is fighting Calabac and Apocalyptian soldiers, eventually kicking them off Earth via Boomtube. Metron then drops by to let him know that Calabac, who was dead, was resurrected by Darkseid Tech. Then it's back to fiancé Lois, who makes him dress for dinner. Wave Rider uses the opportunity to do the touch bit and proceeds to merge with him in 1991, so he basically goes out to dinner and dancing with Lois. Wave Rider thinks about his previous life and love. Suddenly, the couple, or trio, gets word that Pa Kent is in the hospital. He dies from injuries from an accident. So I guess we're watching a future occur in real time. The Kent farm is sold. Clark and Lois are married. Ma Kent lives with them. The mobster nuke that went off in the other future is stopped by Superman. Did he somehow remember that other future and prevent it from happening? Pete Ross, married to Lana Lang, now a congressman, asks Lois and Clark to run his campaign for president. There's an assassination attempt, and Clark reveals his identity to save Pete. Ross is in the hospital and asks Superman to run in his place. This is absolutely Silver Age-esque. But isn't he an alien and can't run? Well, a Supreme Court decision states that his birthing matrix from the John Byrne Soups continuity, came to Kansas, so technically he's an Earthling and an American. Lex Luthor is not pleased. After a whirlwind campaign, Clark Kent wins in a landslide. The loser in the fight, a former senator, was bankrolled by Luthor, who then threatens the president while the candidate wore a wire. President Superman works with Aquaman to find sunken gold deposits to fix the trade deficit. Wow. He also gets world leaders to agree to reduce stockpiles of weapons with the rest of the heroes helping them through the process. In a heroes meeting, Guy Gardner decides to fight Cal instead. Bad idea. Superman uses his will to take the Green Lantern ring, hands it back to the Green Lantern Corps for safekeeping. He launches satellites to get solar power down to Earth and resolve the energy crisis. Wavewider finishes viewing of the future, and Cal races to save Pi Kent and does so. Essentially, this is the old Superman Red, Superman Blue imaginary story. A big, happy ending. This was the only story from Armageddon 2001 that Mark remembers. <laughs> Detective Comics Annual Number 4 by Simonson and Grinberg. There's really no kickoff storyline here. Batman's on a rock, Wave Rider touches him, and we're in the Himalayas 2001. Bruce is fighting Ra's al Ghul, of course, who is about to use a virus to take out most of Earth. Ra's falls into the virus himself, and Batman is stopped by his henchmen. Ra's is taken to a Lazarus pit, which brings the near-dead back to life with a slight case of insanity to start. Bats manages to escape, only to fall off a cliff to be found by Alfred and Tim via plane. 
Back in Gotham, they're taking his broken body back to the cave only to run into a riot. Gotham has gotten even worse. As the Bruce Wayne persona has been dropped, Wayne Manor was even destroyed. Gordon sets off the bat signal and Tim, as an adult Robin, answers it. The city must be saved, but Bruce is now an invalid. So Tim takes up the cowl. In a fight with Grodd's goons, Tim is shot and dies in Talia's arms who hope to find Bruce again. Bruce vows to get back into the battle, creating a suit to replace bone and muscle. After months of therapy and operations, Batman is back and now has super strength. He's now even more of a vigilante. He goes to the Joker, who gives him the info on who killed Tim. Of course, he, it takes him back to Roz and Talia. The former is now truly dead. The Lazarus Pit no longer worked for him. Turns out Talia shot Tim, thinking he was Bruce. After yet another battle, Talia takes Bruce to the Lazarus Pit, where something happens. Wave Rider decides he doesn't want to know. Adventures of Superman Annual Number 3 by Simonson and Hitch. We get yet another what-if for the Man of Steel. We get a lot of Lois and Clark bantering, then Wave Rider touches him, we see the wedding yet again, and then Lois is pregnant, Kryptonian tech? While Clark is off fighting the never-ending battle, the baby kicks and kills Lois from internal injuries. How did Clark not see this coming and find a way around it, or not get Lois pregnant? Superman leaves Earth in torment. An alien ship attacks him in deep space, and Maxima saves him. Maxima was an alien princess previously spurned by Superman. While he convalesces, he and Maxima grow closer. Her ship is attacked, and Superman saves her. They return to her home world, where she is about to be wed in an arranged marriage. There's another battle, and she is almost killed. One of her aides decides that Superman needs a push, so he sets up Maxima's enemy to destroy Earth, so that he has nothing to go back to. He returns, fights the bad guys, gets captured, and Maxima arrives to save him. Lather, rinse, repeat. Jeez, will they or won't they? Again, Wave Rider decides to keep it vague. Justice League Europe Annual Number 2 by Giffen and Jones with other artists. The team is waiting for word about Max Lord, and there's a lot of character moments. Then Superman arrives, not a Justice League member at the time, along with Wave Rider, whom he introduces to them. So now Supes can see him, I guess, based on all the times they merged. He gets the group to agree to do the future deal. Catherine Cobert, JLE Embassy Chief, seems to be acting as mother to the future team shopping for food. Her bit ends with a crater in front of the embassy. Rocket Red is somehow sent back to King Arthur's time and becomes a heroic knight, only to be killed by Etrigan. Wave Rider is getting more and more confused, as are we. Power Girl was sent back to World War II London, running into General Glory in his prime. His sidekick Ernie is killed in the Blitz, so Power Girl becomes the new sidekick? Metamorpho is stuck in a Mad Max-esque future and runs into Jonah Hex. Silver Sorceress finds herself in the prehistoric past, running into Anthro. Crimson Fox is in the Old West, running into Batlash. Blue Jay is in the 30th century with the LSH, winding up joining the Legion of Substitute Heroes. Elongated Man is sent to Victorian London, taking away Sherlock Holmes' glory and meeting H.G. Wells and his time machine. Wave Rider then accidentally bumps into PG's mangy cat, who defends a time machine in the basement, which Ralph must have brought back from some goons. A bullet creates an explosion, which sent them all to different times and formed the crater in the yard. Wave Rider determines that the cat's bad eye was actually a tracking mechanism from the goons, so he scares them off, 
stopping that history from happening. Finally, Wave Rider touches Captain Adam, which takes us to... Armageddon 2001, number two, written by Dennis O'Neill, penciled by Dan Jurgens, inked by Dick Giordano, Art Thiebert, and Steve Mitchell, lettered by John Costanza, colored by Adrian Roy, edited by Jonathan Peterson. This creative team is almost totally different from issue one. This is a sign of a last-minute change of plans. We begin where we ended in the Justice League Europe annual with Wave Rider touching Captain Adam. It's portrayed here as if the annual never happened as Captain Adam objects to being touched, although he already just agreed to it in the annual. We see a million possibilities, including Cap fighting Silver Banshee, a nuke going off, and then we end up in 2001. Nat, a.k.a. Captain Adam, along with a black woman, his wife, daughter, sees his children and grandchildren gunned down in the street by gang members while the normal cops are unplussed. Nat is now working for the president's cadre, and when he flashes his badge, the cops reply, Well, here's a bite you can fax home. You ain't got no jurisdiction here, Mr. Fed. I guess in this future world, the internet never came along and everything is faxed. <laughs> <laughs> they they are shooed away, and we get backstory that Nat stopped being Captain Adam as his activities were disturbing the basic physical relationships. They find the police chief, who is smoking weed. He tells them that since street gangs were given semi-legal status, the kids were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. The bodies were sent to the landfill as the morgue was, was full, and Cap goes quantum when he gets there. He wipes out the landfill and goes after the gangs, atomizing their HQ, which was an abandoned church. Back at the jail embassy in 1991, I guess it did happen, a huge ball of light envelops the area and Monarch checks in. Monarch had followed Wave Rider into the time stream but got stuck until Cap's fireball released him. He decides that Wave Rider's usefulness is at an end and Flash saves him from an energy bolt. A big fight ensues and when Superman and Metamorpho have him in a headlock, Monarch teleports out. He goes to see Dove in civilian garb doing some camping with her boyfriend, not Hawk. Monarch apparently atomizes the guy and kidnaps Dove, leaving her knocked out on an Asian mountaintop. Meanwhile, Wave Rider brings the team up to speed. He now knows that the future touch bit was a waste of time since the very act of doing so altered the time stream each time. He also realizes that he may have inadvertently created Monarch. Monarch then confronts Hawk, also in civvies. After a fight, Hawk is taken to the mountain. He follows that up with a theft of various scientific components, along with a portrait of Millard Fillmore. He then goes back to the mountain, talking about how well he knows Hawk. The stolen components make a neutron bomb, which Monarch plans to use against the heroes. But first, he kills Dawn. Hawk goes into a rage, even for him, and starts walloping Monarch. The helmet comes off, and it's Hank himself. Yep. Hawk becomes Monarch. He even throws on the armor. Cut to Metropolis, where an evacuation is in place. I'm guessing they're very good at this by now. A call has gone out to all heroes to assemble, and Monarch is coming. A new version of the Teen Titans, I only recognize Terra, the Metal Men, the JLI, the Will Payton Starman, Geoforce, Aquaman, JL Howe, Huntress, Batman, Guardian, Nuclon, Wonder Woman, Blue Devil, Speedy, Valor, Kilowog, and some guy with orange hair and armor, all appearing over a series of pages like an editor kept saying, did you use him yet? And of course, the JLE and Superman. Flash keeps asking why Wave Rider can't just look into the future, not understanding that it would only be a possible one. 
Captain Adam suggests the rest of them leave so he can take on Monarch alone since he caused all this, but the rest of them veto the idea, so Cap leaves instead. Monarch arrives with his bomb now attached to Star Labs. He warns them if they try to take out the bomb, other cities will fall. I never liked Columbus much. Hey, he tells them the other me has been studying all of them for years and knows all their weaknesses. Superman knocks off his helmet, and so they all know it's Hank now. Captain Adam returns to sucker punch him, and the fight continues until Monarch grows tired of it and sets off the bomb. Captain Adam goes to absorb the radiation. Monarch goes to stop him, and both are apparently atomized. A young boy is pulled out of the rubble. It's the same hand we saw in issue number one by Wave Rider, saving his earlier self. Else when, Captain Adam finds himself on a prehistoric alien planet along with Monarch. Cue a post-crossover miniseries called Armageddon the Alien Agenda, along with a second mini called Armageddon Inferno, but this has gone on far enough. We did mention that there was a last-minute change in the plot. During the run of the Armageddon annuals, the identity of Monarch was leaked and published in the Comic Buyer's Guide, the closest thing to a comic news website circa 1991. Monarch was going to be Captain Adam. DC decided to scrap that plan and rewrite the final issue. Of course, they had to pick out someone else who had been in the mix of the annuals, but would not screw up continuity by becoming evil. Hence, Hank, a.k.a. Hawk. This is also the reason why a virtually new creative team did that issue, because it was done at the last moment. The decision also killed the existing Hawk and Dove title, since it no longer made sense. Since this whole event was essentially DC aping Marvel's What If series, it had no real impact on overall continuity, except that Wave Rider and Hank would be involved in a major crossover event a few years hence. Zero Hour. DC formally retconned the whole thing decades later. A JSA storyline determined that the entire event was faked by Mordrew, and in one of the Infinite Crisis miniseries set up Captain Adam as Monarch again. In our next class, War of the Gods. Sorry, no who's on the cover this week because we are taping in advance. Announcer by, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe by your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.